Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It's The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Phil Rosenthal, the Chicago Tribune, coming up here momentarily. We'll ask him what he thinks about The Last Dance, the documentary about uh, Michael Jordan and uh, the Chicago Bulls. And, of course, that last year he was there in Chicago, ending up in a title, defeating the Utah Jazz. And Gordon does have a column up at sltrib.com talking about this as well and how Jazz fans might find it painful. Or, or what's uh, what? What word did you use, Gordon? I, I can't remember, but uh, painful is a good one, uh, and Austin can attest to it since he said he's not watching it because he can't bear to. But then you, for some reason, I, I have hold on. I have watched it. It's just uh, when it gets to that point, it's not going to be great. <laughs> because Austin was living in Hooterville at the time, and uh, <laughs> as a lifelong resident and proud citizen of Hooterville, yes, yes, uh, and experienced that from a fan standpoint, still can't believe he called Salt Lake Hooterville. And, uh, well, and, I and mean, referenced was, uh, Petticoat Junction, and it's I didn't reference Petticoat Junction. I had nothing to do with it. it. Didn't even cross my mind, but it was just a joke, making fun of the way people down there might view us up here. Why would they do that? Uh, because they're ignorant. I don't think that's what you were getting at there. It's what I. And by the way, f- why Hooterville then? Because it's just a sticks. It's just a name for a small town. It's it's. it's, it's you know. How about how about like Nowhereville or something? Why why Hooterville? <laughs> I don't know. It just sounded funny. We know. We know. We're all well aware. Mm. It's got nothing to do with what you're thinking. Let's get out of the Sprint special guest line. Sprint, they make uh, it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Joining us now from the Chicago Tribune, he is Phil Rosenthal on the big show with uh, Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Phil, hello. How are you and yours? Everybody doing all right? We seem to be. Uh, Last time I checked in the other rooms, you know, on my daily walk, I... They seem to be all right. So, yeah, I think we're doing all right here. Good. <laughs> Phil, do you still live in that place where you took me to when I was in Chicago that time? Uh, or have you moved around a little bit since since 1998? I've moved. I, I have a family now, so we need a little more space. But I still have it. It's still an apartment. So, uh, you know, with a, with a couple of teenagers, it's it's exciting, as you can imagine. Yeah. Phil, will you do me a favor and tell Jake... And Austin, the that about the time that you decided you were going to run in a marathon, only you weren't going to run in it. You were going to walk the marathon, and you lo- you wore like a like jeans and and like topsiders or something, and a coat or what, 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 what? Tell them that story. Yeah, well, that was. I mean, that was many many years ago. Uh, I I you know you always hear the stories about oh I trained for a marathon oh I made it through I. 
I went, and, and I, I don't mean to demean those people. I know it's an incredible effort. I remember one of my brothers ran the Boston Marathon, uh, I think at least once, maybe twice. But, the, the, I, you know, at some point you hear those stories about it. I made it, it took me seven hours. And you start to do the math and you say, I think I could walk it in that kind of time. So that's what I essentially set out to do. I did not train. Uh, I did not wear running material. I basically wore whatever it is. Uh, I may have been topsiders. That sounds about right for the time. And, and I went out on the marathon, and I, I started walking. And, you know, after a few miles, I stopped and got a hot dog, a chili dog or something, and <laughs> kept going. I'm, I'm built that way, if you, you can fill in the picture, if you like. But uh, at some point, I mean, about halfway through, they, they, they said, look, um, we're going to shut down this course. Hey, you're, you're starting to slow things up. I would have made it. But they made, they said, look, you can continue walking, but we're going to shut down the course, or you can, you know, you can quit. And I, I thought I'd made my point. I, I think I, I'd done the first 13 miles in a few hours, and it, it seemed like I would, I would not have a problem finishing it. But that's, that's essentially the story. It, it, it's basically that, you know, again, you hear those stories with these people who take hours upon hours, and basically you can walk it and, and, and do that if, that, if that's your goal. So I'm pretty sure I could have finished this, but they they sort of demanded that I didn't, and there was a policeman involved, if I recall correctly. (laughs) I'm trying to picture you standing in line at a fast food restaurant with your marathon number pinned to your coat, right, while you're picking up a hot dog. Well, how about the stains on your your coat? How about the stains on the coat and the marathon number? Because, of course, eating a a chili dog on on the walk even is not the most efficient way to do so. So, yeah, it was quite a picture. Sounds delicious, however. A chili dog sounds wonderful. Uh, hey, uh, let's... Let... Every time I tasted it, uh, as I kept going, yes, it was wonderful. <laughs> Speaking of those days back in 98, uh, I'm, what did you think? I know you've written about it, The Last Dance the documentary, the first two episodes over the weekend. We can get into a lot of it with you, but your overall kind of take from what you saw. I was entertained. I mean, I think it's a, it's an interesting thing. I, I, I'm not sure as someone who who lived through most of it here and some of it on the West Coast. Um, I'm not sure there was a lot new there. I, I don't, there, there is, is a, I've seen eight of the ten episodes. The, the other two aren't finished yet, we're told. Um, there's not a lot of new information. There's some great, a couple of great anecdotes though, that come out and you go, okay, I didn't know that. That's pretty good. Um, but but I, you know, it's in this void of sports, and I don't have to tell you guys this. You're doing a show. Um, it's just fantastic to have. So uh, you know, I think some of the claims they make are a little squishy, and, and I think they they've they've made it a little too uh, black and white, where there are shades of gray in some instances. But no, it's a it's a terrific documentary. How true is it? Phil, are they telling the truth, or is there more to it? That uh, because didn't Michael have control over the end product? Uh, I don't know if he had control over the end product. He, his company did produce is a production partner, but I was told he didn't necessarily have control over how things were. It's definitely, in some ways, it's very much painted toward him, but he doesn't look good in some of it. So I, I think there may be more balance there than not. I think the elements of truth that you kind of wonder about are just things like, you know, uh, in, in, in the shadings. Um, you know, Jerry Krause, the general manager, comes up as an absolute villain. They occasionally will mention, well, but he did this right, he did that right. The truth is, yes, he and Reinsdorf 
took apart that team before it needed to be taken apart in all likelihood. We don't know that, though. I mean, you, you look at what happened to, to uh, Pippen after 98 in terms of what, uh, his body, Rodman's career after 98. Maybe they were on to something there. And, and uh, I think uh, – so I think what uh, part of it, though, is the things he did right, I don't think, get enough credit in this thing. And, and I think the things he did wrong, when he was a terrible – when it came to dealing with players and 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 having, he had, had sort of a complex, he he wanted more credit. I, I always said of him that, that he deserved more credit than he got, but he wanted more credit than he deserved, and that's kind of a dangerous combination for someone. Um, you know, when their grievance is, is somewhat valid, but they think it should be that much more so. Um, so I think I think that the, the truth questions. Uh, I think what you forget when you when uh, until you see this is a lot of the things we look back on as inevitabilities were anything but that they could have the Bulls could have stumbled in a lot of places along the way. Phil Rosenthal is with us from the Chicago Tribune on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, and I'm I'm glad you brought up that relationship with the players and Kraus because one thing that I didn't really know about that we found out in the first two episodes was Michael really wanted to come back from that foot injury, and the the franchise was kind of saying, oh, I'm not sure, you know, we want to be careful in this, and he read that as they're trying to tank and think about that in today's day and age, and, and they kind of said in the documentary is that's where it that – uh, us versus management mentality first crept in, and I I didn't really know that, and I thought that that was an interesting, especially when you juxtapose it to the world today. Well, I think that's true. I think uh, that wasn't a, exactly a secret at the time, although the tanking was sort of the thought. I think what came across more at the time was the idea, and, and think about this from a player's standpoint, especially if you're Michael Jordan, you're being treated like a piece of, of, of you know, a, a piece of metal, a, a you know, an asset that has depreciating value. Uh, you're not thought about it as a person, as a competitor, as an individual with individual uh, you know, desires and ambitions and, and wants and needs. I think that as much the dehumanization aspect of that was as, as much a, a thing that drove him nuts at that time and, and would for all these guys, for Pippen with the salary issues and all that. Uh, I think that would drive them nuts for years to come, and and I think that's still a problem in sports today. Sometimes that that the, you know the difference between management and the the players themselves is how they view themselves. Although today's NBA, thanks in part to Jordan uh, and and what he did with the shoe industry and and some of these other ways of making the players individual as, as stars and 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 profit centers unto themselves. Uh, I think I think that gets a little bit lost in this and I, and I think uh, so you know I get what you're saying I I don't remember it though in terms of tanking at that time and I but at the, but at the same time you could see why that would drive him nuts why that would upset himself Phil you wrote about how many people in Chicago are watching that uh, docuseries uh, how are they how do they ref- look back how do they reflect on on Jordan is he is he deified in Chicago still has it faded at all or is it as strong as it ever was it's not as maybe as strong as it ever was although this revives all those conversations and this it, it, in some ways because of how, the way it ended it opened a lot of old wounds here in Chicago but um, you know the, Jordan is still not as is not as big as say the 85 Bears. You know, refrigerator Barry Waller, Peyton, Mike Ditka as coach, Jim McMahon a quarterback. 
that team is still, I mean, Bitka's restaurant, well, obviously nobody's really open right now, but that's still operating. There is, of course, though, a Michael Jordan Steakhouse. So uh, I would say, you know, he's he's always been revered here. That was one of the things, though, that I sort of I took minor issue with when you had uh, Barack Obama, uh, who I loved. Uh, if, I don't know if you noticed under his name, it said former Chicago resident, <laughs> um, Barack Obama. Uh, he was talking about how until Michael Jordan showed up, nobody the city had, you know, he was someone that the entire city could embrace as a sports hero. And and you have to remember, Walter Payton was here already. Um, he'd been here since '75. The the eighty he Jordan came to Chicago in '84. The '84 Cubs went to the you know within one game of the World Series. The '84 Bears went to. Uh, went to the NFC title game and lost to San Francisco, and then the next year was the Super Bowl shuffle team. I'm going to say the team, the city had people to embrace up to that point. Uh, Jordan was more of a, 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 became a phenomenon, but I'm not sure he was immediately. The same way. Although, you know, the Bulls, nobody was going to see them at the time, and, and once he showed up, it became tough to get a ticket. What's Jerry Reinsdorf's uh, legacy now after all this and after really the next couple of decades after this story were, were not the best? Well, he did win the World Series with the 2005 White Sox, which was the first uh, World Series championship in this town since uh, 1917, I think. Uh, so that was that was huge. Uh, and, and the first pennant in the town since the White Sox had pennant in 59. So I, I think Jerry Ryan, sort of, again, it's sort of a complicated legacy. He got two stadiums built, United Center and the the new uh, what's now Guaranteed Rate Field. Uh, obviously, a total of seven championships. I think you know, warts and all, he's still right up there among the top owners in Chicago sports history. So I, I, I think people, some people dislike him, some people like him a little more. I don't know that he's beloved. But I would say, you know, you can't dismiss what he brought to a city that doesn't win so many championships. Or didn't, it certainly up until that time. The the, the Blackhawks obviously won three Stanley Cups in in, in space of a few years, and that sort of changed things, too. But uh, again, I, I just think it's hard to dismiss the actual success. If you were to rank... The teams, the the pro teams in Chicago, who's king of that town, and what? How how would you rank them? We're uh, straight on down through. Bears, well, huge. I mean, Bears, an eight and eight Bears. Let's let's just put it in terms of ratings, TV ratings. The Bears eight and eight last season. Their games, and some of them were in prime time, some of them were. Uh, they averaged, I think, around a twenty-six household rating. This um, this documentary, which is you know, it was as much anticipated as anything involving uh, a Chicago team in a long time, uh, not counting the Bears, it opened to about twelve. You know, so twenty six to twelve, and and we're talking not great, uh, not a great Bears team. So I think you have to look at the Bears as number one. It gets a little tricky after that. When the Bulls are hot, the Bulls are a potent draw, but and then we're never more so than when Jordan was there. Uh, again, they they got kind of big uh, with when 
I mean, they sold out for years afterward. But in terms of you know capturing people's imagination, Derrick Rose years were pretty interesting. Uh, Jimmy Butler's time here, brief though it may have been, was was. I, I think got people thinking, okay, this is a team to follow. But I, I'd almost have to say the number two team in town without, you know, with all things being equal is the Cubs. And the Cubs don't have the full city because you also have the White Sox. But I think it's, the, you know, the Bears, the Cubs. It gets squishy after that. If the Blackhawks are good, they're in the mix. But, you know, if they're not good, people can forget about that reasonably easily, although they sell 22,000 tickets a game. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I think it's hard to get idea. It gets very squishy after those top two. Fast forwarding to today, uh, Phil, talk about uh, the Bulls moving on from Gar Packs and uh, that whole process and what may we, we may see next. Hey, you guys, Garden especially, thank you for Jim Boylan. He's been terrific. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that's maybe another move that's going to be uh, made in terms of, I, 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 unless, unless Boylan figures out a way to call timeout on the whole process, I think he's probably gone. Um, they've got, you know, Levine is a good player. They got, they got, they got some talent there. Um, it's just not working. And I think moving on from, you know, I, I think, Again, I think moving from Garpax, great idea, long overdue. The city soured on those guys. Although this this Jordan documentary does remind you, wow, Paxson was really important there as a player for a time. Um, but I think the, the only thing I would say in their defense is, you know, they did rebuild the team twice to near, you know, Almost competitive, almost, almost not competitive, but almost to where you wanted to be with you know. Until Rose got hurt, I think that was a team that could have done some damage. Uh, I think the Jimmy Butler re, you know reboot again that was potential. The third one wasn't working out so much. So the, you know the most recent one, I shouldn't say third one. So um, there's a lot of work to be done there, and I don't know that you know it's. The new guy they picked out of, I can't pronounce his name, so I'm not going to try, and I apologize for that, uh, from Denver. Uh, you know, I think he's he's the right guy, uh, probably. I, I've, everyone's been fairly impressed with what he's said so far, so far but it's too soon to know. And uh, we'll see what happens there. I, I think, uh, you know, there could be a rebuild, uh, you know, that, that, that might work. But I don't think you're going to see it for a while. I think we're still a ways off, and the city of Chicago is anyway. Phil, if you've seen eight of the ten episodes in the Jordan documentary, uh, how painful is it going to become for jazz fans to, to, to continue to watch this? Well, you know how it ended. That's that's <laughs> one thing. Um, you know, I, the truth is I, they, I haven't seen much of, of, of the Jazz in this. Um, I, there is a point where you see them losing to the Jazz when, uh, again, the great timing of Jerry Krause. He does an interview. It is 98, uh, I believe February, not long before the All-Star break. He gives an interview to the Tribune and reiterates that, uh, hey, we're not trying to push short out the door. He's welcome to come back. Uh, well, uh, Phil's not coming back, and I know he said he won't play for anyone else, but, hey, this is – this is Michael's choice, not ours. Um, well, that was going to cause some problems. He gave that interview the, that, that was published the morning of the game in Salt Lake against um, 
against the Jazz, uh, the, which ended up being the second loss uh, for the Bulls of that season against them in the regular season. I, I, I um, the thing I would say about the Jazz, and I, I don't know how it's going to work out in terms of how they're depicted. But I will say this, and maybe this is the product of you know, if you're going to build up the the uh, the the Bulls, you're going to have to build up what they overcame. The rivals look formidable in this show. Um, you saw it a little bit in the in the uh, in the first couple episodes, but it really comes up when you're talking about teams like you know the Bad Boy Pistons and the Knicks. You know these teams they had to pass to get out of the East. Um, you see it later uh, again with Charles Barkley and the and the Suns. And the, they they were formidable opponents, and they 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 put up a fight and for an effort for the Bulls to get past them. I can't. I mean, just based on our memories of this, I can't see how it would be otherwise with the Jazz. Um, you know, the, those those series could have gone another way. Again. It, Part of that, what I'm saying about the, the Bulls, especially in Chicago and, and maybe beyond, I think it's sort of remembered as, well, they had Jordan, it was inevitable they would win. Um, it wasn't. And there was a fight, and it was difficult. And that's part of what makes what Jordan did and the people around him did, that's part of what makes it so impressive. But again, I, I think... Um, I think that's I, I would I would be surprised if if they're seen as anything other than wow that was that was impressive that they beat them that they found a way. Phil, how, real, Brian uh, Russell may have other ideas. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted to sneak this in. How is Jerry Sloan seen in Chicago? Do people do people remember him? And how is he highly revered? He's revered among people who love basketball. His number hangs in the, in the United Center. Um, you know, people, it's probably true in, in Utah as well. People's grasp of history isn't quite what you'd like it to be. Um, because, my God, he was good and, and, and so important to those Bulls teams. Um, I, I don't know that he's widely revered, but you know, I don't know that they think the same way about Chet Walker and Bob Love and 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 artist Gilmore the way someone like I would having grown up here. Uh, you know, and it, it's it's been a while, so I, I think again among the cognoscenti, among the people that that know the sport and know the team, you know, he's he's a Mount Rushmore type figure, but. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that, like my son, who's 16, I don't know that he he knows a little bit about him because we've talked about it, but that's about it. Well, Phil, we love it when you have a chance to jump on with us. Thank you very, very much, and enjoy. I guess the last two episodes of the documentary you haven't seen yet. Yeah, I'm, well, I'll enjoy all of it. I'm watching them again as they air. I, it's 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 as I say, it's a good show, and my gosh, it beats watching guys play a horse. You know, Amen to that, <laughs> Phil. Phil, I wanted to sneak in a question about you've you've had a long career as a columnist. You've covered sports. You've covered. You're trying to doom this for me, aren't you? You're trying to make sure I don't that it ends like tomorrow. But okay, go ahead. I, no, I'll no. take your question. You've you've done you've done sports. You've done TV. You've done entertainment. You've what? What's your favorite thing to write about? Um. I, you know, it's hard to say. I, I Everything I get tired of eventually, which is why I've had that sort of, I mean, I wrote a business column for a while, too. I, 
I liked, I really liked writing about pop culture in Los Angeles, partly because it was Los Angeles and everything that was pop culture was, you know, if not a phone call away, then some big event away that you could get to. And so that was, that was an exciting thing. But I, I, I hate to, you know, make it too nostalgic about it because part of that, part of any time you think back on something, you're thinking, well, in that point in my life, I was young and, you know, all this stuff was there, and, uh, you know, it, it all changes. But I, I liked writing about pop culture, that column at, at the L.A. Daily News. I've liked writing about television shows, but I think today it would be hard because of how many outlets have shows and how many, you know, all of that and the splintering audience of trying to generate interest everything. Um, I, You know, it's hard for me to say, but I, I probably, as I say, pop culture television has been the... the, the have been terrific for me. I've, I've enjoyed them. I enjoy sports, too, or I wouldn't be doing it. I have fond memories of uh, listening to you uh, at times read portions of your column, and uh, they were always good. So uh, Sorry about that. I, that's how I edited them. I, I read them a lot. I, I know you were trying to do your work, and it, <laughs> I apologize. But <laughs> It was nice of you to applaud occasionally, but yeah, I... <laughs> Well, Phil, we love it when you have a chance to join us. Thank you very much. Stay well. Thank you. You too. Take care, Phil. There you go. Phil Rosenthal from the Chicago Tribune and an old friend going back to their days. Where again, Gordon? You've, you've never told us before. Well, just up the up the 405 and... To the 304. Phil, to... Phil, Phil's, a, Phil's a good guy, man. He's a talented writer. Been around for a long, long time. And uh, boy, when you say that, it makes it sound like you're. You'll never answer someone, my phone calls again. I wonder. You're calling if... someone old. But, uh, you know, I, rem- I called Phil when, when Salt Lake, uh, or Hooterville. AKA Hooterville, yeah. uh, was having its difficulties with uh, leading up to the Olympics here with uh, some of the problems that had arisen. And I said, Phil, how should people in Salt Lake City react to this this difficulty? And he said, well, having been from Chicago, he said, uh, just uh, put a potted plant on it and move on. You know, I mean, it just becomes part of the history of the town. And uh, I, I never forgot that. And I started thinking about Chicago and all the things that have gone on there. And now they, they just... Uh, the city with the broad shoulders just carries on, and uh, that's what Salt Lake has done as well. So, and, and those Olympics turned out to be terrific. So, well, what's good for Chicago is not necessarily what's good for Hooterville, Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> Hate to break it to you, different towns. Oh man, you know, different towns. All right, stay yeah. tuned. We've got a partner profile coming up next. Got the Not Sports Port at 450. David Locke at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. It's the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time to showcase those that are helping all of us through these difficult times. This is a partner profile on the Zone Sports Network. Time for another partner profile here on The Big Show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's get out to The Zone phone. Joining us now, she's the External Affairs Director for Comcast. She's Deneva Knight with us on The Big Show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. First of all, Deneva, how are you and yours? We hope everybody's doing okay. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Everyone's doing good. We're just kind of hunkering down like the rest of the state and the country. 
Well, that's great. We're, we're really happy to hear it. And uh, you good folks at Xfinity and Comcast are, are so important to uh, people's lives as they get through this unique situation. Tell us kind of what you guys are doing as a company to adapt to like everybody else to help keep helping folks. Yeah, so first and foremost, we just want to make sure our customers are safe and our employees are safe. And also we're keeping folks connected while they're at home, either working from home, um, doing some distance learning with their little ones while they're all at home. And so what we've done is to make sure everybody has Internet service that wants it. We have a low-cost Internet service called Internet Essentials. It's only nine ninety five a month, but what we are doing is making that available for free for those folks who are qualified for 60 days. And so we're just getting the word out, working with school district partners and other community partners to make sure everybody knows that the service is available. Man, it seems like right now, like you were talking about, this is perhaps the most important time to have that kind of service, uh, more so than any other. Yeah, more so. I mean, if you don't have internet and home internet right now, you are really, really missing out because you really can't interact with anyone outside of the home. We know there's so many services now with COVID that have gone online and resources that families need, that students need to do their homework and stay connected with their schoolwork. Um, So it's just very important for folks to stay connected and have in-home high-speed internet. It's so important. You're you're 100% right uh, about that. And that's why I think this program you're doing, the Internet Essentials, is is so awesome. I mean, the 60 days free. Give us a little bit more info on that and how folks may be able to take advantage of it, because that's terrific. Yeah, so basically anyone is eligible. If you receive any kind of federal aid, you're eligible for the program and or if your student receives free or reduced lunch at school. And so it's high-speed internet. We actually just increased the speed in response to COVID as well um, to 25 megabits downstream, three upstream. So the fast uh, fast speed available to those folks, they can just go online with their smart device at internetessentials.com to register for the program. We also have two dedicated phone numbers, both in English and Spanish, for folks if they would like to call in as well um, to request service. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the mobile hotspots because I know those are a big deal uh, for folks as well. Yeah, and so additional way we've kind of opened up our Xfinity Wi-Fi hotspots across the country for anyone for free. And so if you have a smart device, um, and or your computer, you can search for Xfinity Wi-Fi network um, for the available hotspots, and you can connect to that free of charge while we're going through this. And then another thing, we know some folks um, don't have the convenience to work from home, so they may be out of work right now. And what we wanted to do to help them stay connected to our services is that we don't have any disconnect fees or late fees right now, and we're not turning off anyone's service for non-payment in order to allow folks to still be connected during this time. Deneva Knight is with us from Xfinity and Comcast. And is there anything else you want to put out there for our listeners uh, coming from Xfinity, how you're helping out in these times with folks, uh, so many folks at home? Yeah, I guess there's some fun ways we are helping out, too. With the little ones at home, there's a lot of parents that are either working from home and also trying to be um, teachers 
teachers at home with their little ones. And so on our X1 platform, if you say educational content in the voice remote, we have school-age content for littles to engage in while they're at home, keeping them busy and learning at the same time. We also have the most up-to-date news on the COVID um, response nationally. If you say coronavirus into your X1 or Flex voice remote, you'll have all that news handy as well. And then we've ungated some of our normally paid content that's available for free. And so families that are looking for cool, either family entertainment options or entertainment for little ones, that's available on our platform as well. Well, Deneva, I've got to tell you, all this adjusting to this crisis that society has done would not be possible without the services of folks and folks like you. So we want to say thank you very much for being partners of ours for so long, but also giving our listeners such a great service and giving uh, us all something we can depend on to help get us through this. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you for having us. That's Deneva Knight, External Affairs Director for Xfinity and Comcast. And Gordon, you know, just just to reiterate what I said right there, none of this, none of this would be possible without the communication infrastructure that we have. And it's 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 amazing, you know, how we have been able to adapt as well as we have. And I know it hasn't been perfect, but I mean, from streaming to Zoom to communication, I mean, can this would be a different ballgame if it weren't for our ability to stay connected. Man, I've been thinking a lot about that because uh, how else can we do it? You it know? wouldn't be possible. Yeah, yeah, it it's like you said, you couldn't, but uh, but we can, and it's allowed us to stay connected to our the outside world. And uh, <laughs> right, I mean, in so many ways, whether it's business related or personal relationships or whatever, we're all leaning on that in a big way. Thank goodness we have it. And as she said, and I just want to reiterate this because, you know, if times are tough for folks out there and they haven't been able to to sign up for an Internet program or something like that, they're doing two months free. They're calling it their Internet Essentials program. Log on to internetessentials.com and uh, and you can check that out and figure out a way to get a low um, monthly fee basically for low income households at nine ninety five a month. And again, those first two months are free. So that is that is amazing. They want you to be connected and be able to exist and i i think it's really admirable uh what the folks at xfinity are doing i think that's really cool i never expected to have a time where we would be as isolated as we are but uh but uh, we can all be connected in these other ways and uh, it's part of the technology that makes living at this particular time a whole lot better than it would be otherwise. So, yeah, here, here. And if you're if you're streaming as many illicit videos as Gordon is during this time, you need a solid communication infrastructure. I mean, that, that thing's got to be there and providing. I mean, Petticoat Junction needs a lot of bandwidth. <laughs> you guys are that's an old crazy. That's an old uh, TV show. It needs a lot of uh, focus. You know, TV back then was a whole lot more innocent than it is now. Hooterville? I think not. <laughs> that goes against what you were talking about just there. Not at all, because it wasn't meant the way that you're taking it. That's how so. you wrote it. Hooterville. And it's yeah, even worse that you weren't referencing some old TV show. It's It's got nothing to do with it's what you're suggesting. That's so no, much no. worse. It's just it's just out in the sticks. <laughs> I didn't That's write all. it, man. You could have said you could have used any other of... Uh, invented words. But defending it by saying, well, Salt Lake's out in the sticks, that's worse in that my That is book. worse, because the whole thing, to begin with, was extremely condescending. 
I was making fun of the way people in L.A. might view Salt Lake City. By calling Salt Lake Hooterville that was making fun of L.A.? Yes. Okay. I, I was okay. making fun okay. of the way they were viewing right. us. Because it sounded they, like Jake, the way you were viewing us. No. It's got nothing to do with this. Is, I love this town. You called it Hooterville. I was making fun of them, not us. Okay. Whatever. You just got done telling us about your trip down the 405. <laughs> Pick a side, be, sir. Why does L A K E R S? You're just crowing about your time in L A, but yet you call Salt Lake Hooterville. Crowing about my time, we had Phil Rosenthal on, who I knew from Los Angeles. He's been a friend for a long, long time, and that's why I was talking about that. I wasn't crowing about Los Angeles. If I wanted to live in L A, I'd live in L A. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I've never been here in Hooterville. But yet, you know, 65% of the big show content is about Los Angeles. And you call Salt Lake Hooterville. So, I mean, (laughs) excuse us for getting uh, confused. Well, it's remarkable to me that you can't make the connection between making fun of what a certain place might think of us when, when... uh, they are the ones that I'm targeting, not us. Jake, I'm just a dumb hayseed hanging out in the sticks in Hooterville. I ain't got these fancy dang words. We're we're not hanging out with, you know, refined folks like Gary Shandling. <laughs> I down to the Piggly Wiggly. Didn't see Gary Shandling there one time. Got myself a nice Christmas gift, though. <laughs> Did you growing up in... Uh... <laughs> Growing up in Layton. Hooterville uh, North, yeah. <laughs> did you, how did you view uh, the area you were growing up in, Austin? Whoo, we never did make it down to the big city, Hooterville. <laughs> when we were up in uh, up in Layton, no, we uh, we didn't have one of those uh, steel horses known as automobiles up there, you, down to get down here to the sticks. Steel, steel horses. Did you... Did you uh, view uh, your area as being sophisticated and sort of highbrow and all that? Uh, I ain't sure what you mean by any of them big words, but I tell you, we had a one-room schoolhouse, and it taught me done good. (laughs) Ain't never seen the ocean, though. You just wanted to use the word hooter in a column, and I blame Joe Baird for See, not leaving that on the cutting room floor. I, I, I didn't tell you where I come from. Hooter does mean something different, Gordon. <laughs> what does it mean for you? I'll draw you a picture. <laughs> not Sports Report coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's not my fault, it's Gordon's. Welcome this on back. Awful. It's the big show. Time for the Not Sports Report. Brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory. Shop online at LHMUsedCars.com. Real quick before we do that, though, Gordon, you called the Salt Lake Hooterville in your column, and you said it's somehow an insult to L.A. Uh, Sven says, uh, if calling Salt Lake Hooterville is making fun of L.A., who is Gordon making fun of when he calls Austin fat? <laughs> mm, good question. Great that, question. That is a good question. I have no answer. Nothing? Mm-mm. Well, but uh, people have to understand that that's all just, just a joke. Yeah, it's funny. Hilarious. It was, it was never... It has its roots in the fact that we were saying... In fact, uh, that's very that's very insightful because 
Well, obviously, it's not Here comes a yard. Oh, it's not appropriate to call someone fat. So we're really making fun of that tendency, uh, encouraging people not to do it mm, by way of doing it. That makes so, so much it's sense. Sort of, so, yeah, Sven, very, very insightful. It's kind of the same deal. You're going to pull something stretching that far. Seriously. All right, Gordo, where, uh, where are we going today? We're going two places. We're going to Sacramento and we're going to Oklahoma City. Let's go to Oklahoma City first. Um, apparently, uh, you know, they, they tend to have tornadoes in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And the, but they have a problem because thunderstorms were pouring into that area uh, over the last couple of days. But the local tornado shelter uh, is a hospital, but they won't let people go there because of the COVID-19 situation. So people so, need to shelter. Yes. But from from the tornadoes, for, from the potential tornadoes, but they can't go to the shelter. So where do they go? Uh, the the shelter, but uh, they force their way in because <laughs> that's likely what's going to happen. They're not accepting anybody, and I don't know. It's uh, just one of those things that. But I think that's the point. Like, how are they not accepting people? Well, they're telling people that they can't come in. You know, with just some uh, dweeb at the front door saying you can't come in? Because I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> you think people are going to storm in there? Yeah, I think desperate just, people are, are capable of a lot. Man, that is... You see that story? A couple of cats got coronavirus? Speaking of? Nope, I did not. Yeah, I did. Uh Okay, so then uh, let's go to Sacramento. Sure glad I don't have multiple pets roaming through my home that would, you know, carry in who knows what. Well, you're fine as long as there's not, like, young pets, as long as they're housebroken. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, Gordo? Right. So I think dogs are immune, aren't they? Well, if but, a cat uh, can get it. No, I think cats can get it, but, but dogs can't. Oh, really? I, th- I thought I read that somewhere. Um. Anyway, so in Sacramento, uh, there was a newscast going on, and there was a reporter who, for some reason, was reporting from her own bathroom. Now, she had the camera in there, and the problem is that the camera was taking a picture of her, but in the background, her husband was in the shower, and her husband, as you would do, was buck naked. In the shower. You don't say. And so, <laughs> did, did it all uh, all get broadcast? It's just a naked man. <laughs> so you can see the naked man in the background in the shot. Now he had the he had the shower door there, but you know you could still you know, see him. The clear glass shower door. <laughs> Sure, sure, protected a lot. So let me get this straight. Who thought it was a good idea to bring a TV camera into the bathroom to do a report when your husband is in the background, buck naked in the shower, cleaning up? Well, I I think a lot of this is like her phone at home, right? Aren't they doing a lot of the she, a lot of these reporters for yeah. home or whatever using their iPhones? And she or was talking about how people are now turning to cutting their own hair. So thus explaining. <laughs> so she then cut her own bangs in the bathroom mirror. 
only to have uh, Chad in the background there. <laughs> hanging out. Oh, hanging out. Scrubbing up. Oh, man. I just think Chad. that right Come on. Now. <laughs> no. Come on. It's just ridiculous. Stop it. But I don't care if you're using a, a sophisticated TV camera or you're using your iPhone. If you're doing a news report, you can't be doing it with your husband naked in the background. You There's thought, a drop. You, th- you thought you would, <laughs> she would at least give him the, the heads up. I'm just playing the video right now. What the? I mean, you see it? It's so, he's, he's none the wiser. He's just he's having just, a good shower. No, it's not, it's not like a glimpse either. He's no. just standing there. <laughs> it's like it's like uh, Michelangelo's David there. I don't. It's all available. Oh, that is so so. He's back there with the loofah, you know, doing his. KCRA's ratings went through the roof. She's just clipping her bangs. <laughs> you know, this is what I do. <laughs> I'm Karen for KCRA. And he's back there in all his glory. Okay, this was bound to happen, right? Because I've seen, haven't you seen the outclips of the Zoom mistakes? Like the one gal that was in a Zoom meeting and she left the video and sound on when she went to the John. During, <laughs> during the yeah, yeah, that can happen. In fact, I've thought about that while doing the show. What have you been doing while doing the show? You take the headset in there with you. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, it. but I thought, what happens if I put the headset down and then go in there? Well, how close is the <laughs> equipment to the John? Well, there's one across the way there. I don't know. It's, it seems like one day I was doing the show here and Austin was telling me what was going on in my kitchen. Uh-huh. He could hear it. So well, yeah, yeah. That, but, that yeah, blender's you know, not real quiet, though. The, when, the blender versus using the restroom. If you're as loud as the blender, see a doctor. But wouldn't it, wouldn't this reporter at least give her significant other the heads up? Like, hey, yeah. I'm going to film a segment in the bathroom. You might not want to be wait in the shower. Wait 20 minutes. Right. Wait or, or, hey, get up a half hour early and then hit the shower. Don't, you know, I don't think That's they just I mean. ambushed her with a segment, right? There had to be some planning that went into it. A little heads up would be great. Now well, this poor guy yeah. is, is gone viral. That's why when I first saw it, I thought, come on, is this a setup or what? That, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> no but, way that that's yeah. a setup. <laughs> yeah. He's just back there, you know, with he, the uh, with the dove bar. <laughs> and she probably practices all the time. So he thought he probably heard her and thought, oh, she's just practicing or whatever. Oh, yeah. Just just rehearsing her yeah. her report. So well, what you're you live on KCRA, bub. What do you do? If Whitney or Naz did something like that to you, what uh, what would you would there be? Uh, I'll, I'll tell you right now. I'll tell accident. you right now. Right, there would be no retribution. But if it were reversed, if I were the one <laughs> you'd be filming the trouble. video and she was in the background, you'd never hear from me again, mm. ever. Well, well, some people are are more private about that sort of thing than others, I guess. And next, the naked truth about traffic, Tim. <laughs> if you're that guy today, right, you've got to be saying, come on, just let me, just a little heads up, little heads up. <laughs> Over to Bob with weather. Well, I tell you, showers are in the forecast, but uh, you already know that. <laughs> well, well, yeah. You, uh, were, you wish the glass were partly cloudy, but not today. Uh, that is funny. That is funny. It is true. He's just standing back there, you know. He's just and you're like, singing, this is the night. <laughs> Casey, all right. 
It is funny. Uh, reporting. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk to our good friend David Locke. Stay tuned. It's just a, it's just a naked man. 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. It's just a naked man.